Turn to the 12th chapter, if you would, of the book of Romans. And yes, today we are going to finish the 12th chapter. I know some of you didn't think so, but we are. The 12th chapter is the application part of the book of Romans, or it's the start of the application part. We began with not being conformed to this world, being transformed by the renewing of our minds, presenting our bodies a living sacrifice, We moved on to the necessity of recognizing that we are part of a body. We are the body of Christ. God did not give you individually everything that you individually need to grow in Christ. He gave us collectively, the church, everything that we need. There are people with different gifts and we all support each other in our growth to being conformed to the image of Christ. And then picking up in verse 9, we started a list of uh, commands, if you will, things that we as believers ought to do. And we actually began with a lengthy discussion about why did God give us this list of things to do. By my count, there's 29 of them. Uh, You could probably change the number a little bit because some of them are in pairs and things like that. Why does God give us a list like that? And we discussed the fact, you know, did he give it to us in order that we could do this in order to be saved? And if you believe that, then you don't understand Romans 1 to 8. Because there is nothing that we can do to earn our salvation. Our salvation is a free gift based on the finished work of Jesus Christ. Doing the things on this list will not cannot save you in fact there's a big discussion about the fact that you probably can't do them anyway apart from christ without the holy spirit without the gifts without the body the things on this is just a random list of things so we don't do it in order to be saved well maybe we do it in order to keep saved You know, I got in by grace, but if I don't keep the list, they're going to throw me off the boat. Well, the problem with that is salvation is grace at the beginning, grace in the middle, and grace at the end. God is doing it all. So you can take this list, and if there's one of them that you're not doing very well at, you don't sit there and think, okay, if I don't do this, I'm out. God's going to kick me off the boat I'm going back to, well, wherever I'm going without God. No, we don't do it to earn our salvation. We don't do it to keep our salvation. We do it out of gratitude of what God has done for us. Very beginning, it says, let your love be genuine. What does that mean? Well, it means that we imitate Christ and his love, which was without hypocrisy. So we are being conformed to the image of Christ by doing the things that are on this list. Does that mean that we're falling into the trap of legalism? No. Legalism is the belief that I, through my own efforts, can earn my way to heaven. And as I said a while ago, that's not why the list was given to us. 
We do this because this is what it means to be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we've been going through this list for about, I think this is the fifth week, so we will make it to the bottom. Whatever happens, we will make it to the bottom. Huh? Someday, today is that day. Getting a running start into uh, today's lesson, let's start with verse 17. We covered this last week. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. I love this verse because it is so practical. It acknowledges the fact that there are some people in this world who you cannot and will not be at peace with. Why is that? Well, we serve a different God. But as much as it depends upon you, as much as it is within your power, be at peace with everyone. What does that mean? We don't go around poking people in the eye just for the fun of it. That was last week's lesson. So, picking up in verse 19 with today's lesson. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Okay. No, don't raise your hand. How many of you, at some point in your life, have wanted to get even with somebody? Uh, they raised their hands. Why do we do that? Well, somebody does something bad to us, and our ego, our pride rises up, and you poke me, I'm going to poke you back. And it is interesting because when we read a verse like this, you know, our natural tendency is to look at really big events. You know, somebody murdered my wife, I'm going to go get them. Isn't that okay? And people come up and say, wouldn't that be okay to go get the person that murdered my wife? The reality is, odds are, nobody's going to murder your spouse, except maybe you, but that's a whole different topic. The reality is that we in our lives daily, regularly, have people do things to us that we don't like, that, that irritate us. And we know that they're doing it on purpose, right? I mean, I know that that person took my pew on purpose. They knew it was my pew, and they intentionally, willfully, with malice, took that pew from me. And what do we want to do? We want to get back at them. We want to get back at them for slighting us. What are we as believers allowed to do? The answer, don't do it. Huh. What's the fun of that? Beloved, never, never avenge yourself. What does the word never mean? It means Never. Just once? 
maybe just once a week, do you mean that I have to let them get away with it? Isn't that the root of a lot of this? I let them get away with it. They think they can do it again. They're going to steal my pew again. They're going to cut me off in traffic. They're going to say something irritating to me. They're going, I've got to poke them back or they'll think they got away with it. The answer is, that's not your problem. That's not your problem. We are to never seek revenge. Now, it's interesting. All of this is leading up to next week's lesson. We're talking to you as the individual believer. You as a person. We're going to talk about, well, last week, you know, not returning evil for evil. Uh, turn, you know, the scripture talks about turn the other cheek and stuff like that. God has put in society authorities to deal with those who do evil. And that's next week's lesson. But that's not your job. Your job is not to avenge when somebody has done something wrong to you. I'm waiting for somebody to throw out a case going, but what about this? But you're, you're a little shy, so that may come in just a moment. Why are we... Go ahead. He's not shy. You just have to put it in God's hands. Why do we not avenge ourselves? The scripture gives the very obvious reason. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. There are lots of people starting with, I don't know, Karl Marx and working to the modern day, that believe this is just wishful thinking. To expect that God is going to make it all right is just wishful thinking on our part. You know, according to Karl Marx, the capitalist used this idea to keep the masses in line. I know your life is rough, but, you know, God will take care of it at the end. Between now and there, I'm going to beat you and take all your money. That's the Marxist view of capitalism. And we have fallen into that trap at times. Let's assure ourselves of what the Scripture says. God is a just God. Justice will happen. Okay? Justice will happen. I know, but I want it today. I want to poke the guy in the eye today. They did something bad to me. I want to get back today. 
And God says, leave it to me. Leave it to me. I don't know if you remember. I remember when my children were young and one of them would do something to another and the other one would react back by whacking them. And I would step in and say, why don't you let me deal with this? Let me, the adult, deal with this situation. But our passion flies up and says, no, I want to deal with it right now. I want my revenge. The scripture tells us that there will be a judgment day. Rights will be made right and wrongs will be punished. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. The question is, do we believe it? And do we have the patience that it takes to allow him to do what needs to be done. Now, in the next couple of weeks, when we're talking about government, when we're talking about authority, we will deal with the fact that we are to promote justice. Okay? Just because we accept the fact that God is going to avenge and the wrath belongs to God doesn't mean that we do not exercise the power that has been given to us to promote justice in the world in which we live, okay? But once again, dealing at the personal level, when someone has insulted you, when someone has done something against you, you are to leave the vengeance to God. The number one reason we do not avenge ourselves is because God says he will take care of it. Unfortunately, that takes a certain amount of faith to accept the fact that he is going to do it. It takes a certain amount of faith. The second reason we don't avenge ourselves is because, well, it's just not good for you. Somebody does something wrong to you. Somebody does something wrong, and you start what? Smoldering over how you are going to get your revenge. You do. And you sit there thinking, they did me wrong, I'm going to do wrong to them. And night after night after night, you sit there and you think how you're going to get back at them. Because you know they did it on purpose, right? We keep getting back to that. That's not the life that God wants you to live. It produces anger. It produces bitterness. It produces the idea that it is up to me to right the wrongs of the world. And as we just said, it's not up to you. I was thinking about this this week, the idea of revenge... And I was reminded about Moby Dick. You remember the story of Moby Dick? Ahab's out looking for the whale who took his leg. And it becomes his obsession. His obsession. Toward thee I roll, thou all-destroying but unconquering whale. To the last I grapple with thee. From hell's heart I stab at thee. But the fascinating thing to me was the paragraph on the page before, where one of his crew members says, Oh, Ahab, not too late it is even now, this third day, to desist. See, Moby Dick seeks thee not. It is thou 
thou that madly seekest him. He was convinced that the whale was coming after him. The whale didn't care about him. It was he that wanted the revenge. When we develop a spirit of revenge towards somebody else, we begin to think that everything that person does, everything that person's friends do, everything that everyone is connected to him, they're all coming after me, and they aren't. And we begin to lose sight of the fact that what that is doing to us far exceeds, far exceeds what they did to us. Now it is interesting. We will talk about next week. There are times when the authority has to step in and deal with the situation. I am not saying that the person murders your spouse and you pretend that nothing happened. What I am saying is that the bitterness of heart that produces the spirit of revenge will hinder your being conformed to the image of Christ. Now, is that easy? No. No. If it was easy, the passage wouldn't be here. If it was easy just to say, oh, nothing bad happened, this passage wouldn't be here. God knows our natural tendencies. You poke me, I poke you back. What's the line out of Fiddler on the Roof? An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And pretty soon all the world is blind and toothless. Hmm. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. How do you get your non-revenge revenge? revenge? Hmm, what a strange statement. Go ahead. Sure. interesting the way God works it is interesting how God made us as human beings okay I've had long discussions with friends who are like psychologists and things like that and pastors and all that. And, you know, there's one thought, you know, 
we are spiritual beings. And the body, well, it's just kind of there. No, we're physical beings, and the spirit is just kind of there. Well, the reality is we're all that combined together. And we operate with all that combined together. So somebody does you wrong, and you want to poke them back. I mean, let's just face it, you want to poke them back. And you sit there and you stew over it. Well, God is telling you right here, take your body and go do something positive for this person. They have a need. Take your body and go meet that need with your body. And the fascinating thing is, as your body starts moving in that direction, your spirit says, oh, I'll go there too. You see, it's one thing to sit there and say, okay, I want to poke them back. God tells me not to poke them back. I'm not going to poke them back, I think, today. Maybe tomorrow, but not today. But God doesn't want you just sitting there stewing in this potential revenge. He wants you to actively go do something for the good of the person who just poked you in the eye. Why would he do that? Well, we just had one example. We talked about it last week, about walking the extra mile. And that at the end of that extra mile is when you, you begin to have the opportunity to share the gospel with these people. Which brings us to yet another issue. Do you really want the guy that poked you in the eye going to heaven in the first place? (laughs) It's actually a serious question. Do you really want those people who done you wrong to be saved? If the answer is no, and that may be the honest answer, you have a problem. What did Christ say as he was hanging on the cross? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Question. Can we imitate that attitude with those who do us wrong? Hmm. And then, can we take that and do positive things for the person in order to gain an opportunity to share the gospel with them? Jerry's just dying to say something. For 12 years, I've seen both sides. Mm -hmm. For 25 years, I've seen both sides. And I got to say, it's rewarding to see a man, particularly a man that killed four people in his time, Mm -hmm. living in Whitewater right now, ministering as much as he can. Mm -hmm. They didn't do me wrong. 
Well, I mean, we're, we're actually going to talk about that in just a moment because we're going to talk about, you know, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You would like to think the person pokes you in the eye, you want to poke them back, you don't. And in fact, you, after today's lesson, go try to do something good for them. You would like to think that at the end of that process, like tomorrow, they would bow down, offer heartfelt apologies, confess that they did you wrong, and, the light, and everything would turn out great. And that is the goal. That is what you want. That is what you ought to want. But we acknowledge the fact that we live in a fallen world. We acknowledge the fact that people will not, may not respond as we think they ought as we want them to. That's why the first reason that we do not avenge is because God promises that he will deal with it. He will deal with it. We want, we desire, we ought to want and desire for the person to come to repentance. But we acknowledge the fact that that's between them and God. We, we are simply being faithful to do what God has told us to do around those who have done us wrong. Once again, is this easy? No. In fact, there are other scripture who says, you know, love your enemy. If you love your, if you love those who love you, this is the same scripture, how hard is that? But if you can love your enemies, then you are demonstrating the love of Christ. Remember, Christ did not come to a world where everybody was ready to acknowledge him as God and as king. He came to a world of people who were in rebellion against him, and he died because of love. Yes, go ahead. You have to have faith. You have to have faith that God is going to deal with the situation. So, practical what do you do tomorrow? Is there someone in your life for whom, well, let's put it mildly, you don't want good things to happen? Okay? Because of things they've done to you, because of attitudes they've had toward you, because they took something from you that you thought was yours. And notice this is not really getting into whether the vengeance is because of a true act that they did or just a perception on your part. It doesn't matter from one sense. Is there someone in your life for whom you want, you have this desire to somehow get revenge? You just hope, 
that when they're driving home from church today, all four wheels fall off their car. Now, you wouldn't come right out and pray for that, but if it did happen, you'd say, see, told you. Tomorrow, find that person and go do something nice for them. (laughs) Tomorrow? Can't I put it off till, like, some day that doesn't end in a Y? Why do we do this? So that we will be imitators of God. Sometime this week, someone's going to poke you in the eye. You know I use that as a metaphor, right? You know the things that poke you in the eye. People say things to you that are just a little bit cutting, and you know they're doing it on purpose. You know they know that it bothers you. You know that they know that they're doing it just to irritate you, and you want to get back. Somebody cuts you off in traffic, and you want to get back at them. Some family member slights you in some way, and you want to get back at them. Find that person and do something good for them. Huh. That sounds, yeah, it sounds hard. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. I love that phrase. Unfortunately, nobody's really sure what it means. It has a couple of possible ideas, and I like all of them, okay? When we talk about burning coals in the scripture, we're often talking about purification. When you do good for someone who did bad to you, you are heaping burning coals on them and you are purifying them with the hope of driving them to repentance. You're kind of burning away all that stuff because, you know, you have this mental idea that they did this on purpose to get to you, and they have the idea that you did this on purpose to get back at them, and it just builds on each other, and somebody has to stop it and say, no, I'm going to burn this away, all this extra garbage, and purify this situation. So when we talk about heaping burning coals, we're talking about a good thing that purifies, and helps draw them to repentance. And then there are those who believe that heaping burning coals on them is the worst form of punishment. It's just not your problem. It's their problem. I think Oscar Wilde once said, forgive your enemies, it'll really confuse them. There is the idea of using burning coals as a form of punishment, and this is what is happening. By you removing your desire for vengeance, you are opening the door for God to do his vengeance to punish the other person. Now, 
What does it really mean? I don't know. I do know this. The desire and the goal should be for repentance on everybody's part. You and everyone you come in contact with today, tomorrow, the rest of this week, the rest of this year, the rest of your life, your goal should be to draw those people closer to Christ. And to do that, you need you need to imitate however imperfectly you need to imitate God and his love for humanity to draw to encourage people to repentance once again will it always work no that's not your problem as much as it is possible as much as it's up to you live at peace with everyone there will be people who you cannot live at peace with you serve a different God now it is interesting to me there are those within churches who have these same problems and you at least in theory these people at least in theory are serving the same God <sighs> that needs to be fixed as much as is possible live at peace with everyone Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Hmm. How do we beat evil? By being more evil? Do we beat evil by lashing back at it? Do we beat evil by copying it? Or do we beat evil by doing what God tells us to do? Remember the rich young ruler comes to Christ and he says, Good teacher, what must I do? And Jesus immediately responds, There's no one good except God. Now it's interesting because he wasn't denying that he was good. He was just saying that I'm God and therefore I am good. You addressed me correctly. There is no one good but God. How do we overcome evil with the goodness of God? Now remember, next week's lesson, dealing with authority. There is a place for those in authority to deal with the evil in the world. In fact, it says they have the sword for that reason. They have the power to constrain evil. That's next week's lesson. We're talking about you as an individual. You as an individual have some evil in your life. Some person who does something really bad to you. Do you believe that you can overcome that evil by being more evil than they are? Do you really think that's going to work. Huh. Let me give you an observation. No, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. 
somebody pokes you, you poke them back harder. They poke you back harder. You poke them back harder. You know where this is going, right? Harder, harder, harder. If you've ever been around children, it happens all the time. If you've ever been around adults, it happens all the time. It's just a lot more subtle. We've learned to hide it better. Aren't we clever? Don't you wish we were just children and would just, anyway. There is evil in the world. Okay? Anybody want to deny that? Anybody want to deny that there's evil in the world? There is evil that comes in contact with you and me regularly. We deal with people, we deal with events, and they're just evil. Huh. One of the greatest questions that you as an individual need to address is how are you going to respond? As I said earlier, I keep getting ahead to next week's lesson. I've got to stop that. We are called to use the power that God has given us to do what God allows us to do. That's next week's lesson. But you as an individual, do we really think that getting mad at them accomplishes the will of God? I read this passage, and my first thought is this. There's evil out there, and I want to stop it now. But the reality is, there's evil in my heart. There's evil in my heart that needs to be sanctified. It needs to be dealt with. The greatest evil that I need to overcome is the evil that causes me to desire to poke you back when you poke me. And to deal with that, I need to overcome the evil in my heart by doing good to those who've done bad to me. For their sake? Yeah, probably. But more so for my sake and my relationship with God. I may not, I may not be able to stop them from being a jerk. I mean, let's face it. You know people like that. You've worked with them. You've lived with them. No, we better not go there. <laughs> you have acquaintances. But what we need to remember is maybe I won't fix them. But I can, with the grace of God, with the Spirit of God, overcome the evil that is within my own heart. And that's where we need to start. I mean, I, I got to the end of the chapter, and I wanted to go back to the beginning of the chapter. 
Let love be genuine. What keeps our love from being genuine? Well, we want our own way. The evil in my heart says, what can I get out of this relationship? What can I do in this relationship that helps me to heck with what it does to you? I am to overcome that evil by showing genuine love to those around me. Wow. When we show genuine love, we are overcoming evil with good. We do it in our own hearts, but then we do. We do begin to change the hearts of those around us. People do you wrong. They poke you in the eye, and you want to poke them back. And you say, no, I'm not going to do that. I am first going to overcome the evil that is in my own heart. I'm going to say no to that desire for vengeance. Not only am I going to say no to that desire for vengeance, I am going to look for an opportunity to do what is good for that person. I am going to actively, I am going to take my body, my resources, and I am going to look for an opportunity to do good for that person. And when you do it, you will be amazed. Will it always work? No. But you will be amazed. You will be amazed at the response that you get. First, it'll be shock. You did what? For who? For me? And all of a sudden... A relationship that was broken, that was in distress, has the potential for being restored. I mean, let's just start little, okay? Just start little. Forget those really bad people out there. Let's start with your family. Let's start with your church. Let's start with your whatever group it is that you interact with. It's always fascinated me. I mean, it terrifies me, but it's always fascinated me. Where you have family relationships, where siblings have not talked to each other for 30 years. Why? Well, somebody did something wrong, and they're going to get even, and I'll apologize to you after you apologize to me, or after one of us is dead. Why? As much as it is possible, as much as it's up to you, live at peace with everyone. At some point you do forget what started it in the first place. But by golly, you're not going to back down. <laughs> because that would mean they won. I don't know what the fight was, but I'm not going to let them win it. You ready for this? Let them win it. Who cares? The secret that we as believers have 
to change the world is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The secret that we have to get the opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ is by showing good to those around us. That's the secret. The world is used to people, you poke, you poke back. And when you and I refuse to do that, the world will stand up and take notice. But wait a minute. I want them to get the... You're just like I am. We want to heap burning coals on them as long as it burns them to a crisp. Not that it draws them to repentance. I want to burn them to a crisp. And we take this passage and we think, ah, I'll use this as an opportunity to beat them over. No. Don't go to the person that you're having strife with and take this passage and say, you need to be doing this. Overcome the evil in your own heart. You know, there's a picture that deals with this, right? Deal with the beam in your own eye so that you can help deal with the speck in the eye of your brother or sister in Christ. Overcome the evil in your own heart, that desire for revenge, that desire to get back. Overcome that evil and then look for the good of the other person. Why? Because then our love is genuine. There's no motive no bad motive there's no mixed motive what you really want is them to repent and come to christ but all you are responsible for as much as it is up to you live at peace with everyone now how many times have i said this in this one lesson is this easy no it isn't there have been times in my life where people have, well, let's just say we've had strained relationships. And you know, your natural goal is to return in kind. I mean, you know, particularly they're not a Christian. I don't have to be nice to them. You know, that's the way we think. Trust me, doing good to them is always more effective. There's one situation that I'm thinking about right now that I will not share with you. But what I found curious in this situation was doing the good didn't affect the other person at all. But people around them noticed. People around the situation noticed that you were not returning evil for evil, that you were returning good for evil. And while the individual themselves may or may not respond, other people noticed. Other people took notice of what was happening. So, what are we supposed to do? Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. It's a contest. See if you can win. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the deeds of the saints and seek to show hospitality. 
Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but, be, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own, eye, own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Why do we do this? Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What does it mean to renew our minds? Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Shall I read the list again? Why does God give us these instructions? Because he knows that our minds and our bodies need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds through the word of God. That's why he gives it to us. But I don't want to do it. I like being conformed to this world. That, my friends, is a red flag that says maybe you're not really in Christ. Now, do we as believers do it perfectly? Ha! I could ask and we could have testimonies all day about every one of the things on this list, how we have done them imperfectly. But we ought to desire to do them. We ought to strive to do them. We ought to work toward doing them. And when we don't do them, we repent, we confess, and the next day we wake up and we ask God for the strength to be conformed to the image of his son. That's why he gives this to us. It is not a club to beat your neighbor over the head with. It is not a club to beat fellow church people with. It's not a club to use against those around you. It is God's word to transform your heart. Let's close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that you have given us your word. Thank you for the instruction. I pray, Lord, that we, through the power of your Holy Spirit, would be transformed. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.